Chapter forty six of Erema. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellie. Erema by R.D. Blackmore. Chapter forty six. Vain seal. Leaving his telescope leveled at the man, the major marched off with his opera glass in a conspicuously provoking style, and Mrs. Hockin most heartily joined me in condemning such behavior in a minute or two however she would not have a word said against him and the tide of her mind as befits a married woman was beyond all science so that the drift of all words came back to her husband's extraordinary merits and certainly these if at all like her description deserved to be dwelt upon at very precious periods however i had heard enough of them before for the major himself was not moved upon this point though comparatively modest and oftentimes deprecating praise here ever he received it and so i brought mrs hocking back at last to talk about the lady who was living in the ruin it is not quite a ruin she said my dear husband is fond of picturesque expressions however it is not in very good repair and being unable to get possession of it through some legal quibble possibly he may look at it from a rather unfavorable point of view and for the same reason though he is so purely just he may have formed a bad opinion of the strange individual who lives there what right has she to be living without his leave upon his own manor but there she is and she does not care for us or anybody she fetches all she wants she speaks to none and if anybody calls for rates or taxes or any other public intrusion they may knock and knock and never get in and at last they go away again but surely that cannot go on for ever Brancy is such an enlightened place our part of it is but the rest quite benighted as the man says i forgot his name but the man he misunderstands us so his contention is the desolate hole as the major calls it although in the middle of our land is entirely distinct from it my husband never will put up with that his love of justice is far too strong and he means to have a lawsuit but still he has reasons for not beginning yet and he puts up with a great deal i am sure it is too bad for them to tease him so it does seem a very sad thing i replied and the poor soul living there all alone even in summer it is bad enough but whatever will she do when winter comes why the sea in bad weather must be almost upon her and the road of pebbles all night major hockin will never allow her to stay there what can we do when he cannot get in and they even deny his title i assure you erema i have sent down cream and even a dozen of my precious eggs with the lady of the manor's compliments but instead of being grateful they were never taken in and my polly miss polly hopkins you know very wisely took it all to her grandmother to her grandmother instead of mine as the major fastidiously calls her and now he says this is her portrait and instead of giving his reasons he runs away really you must excuse me aunt mary for thinking that your good husband has a little too much upon his mind sometimes the old lady laughed as i loved to see her do well my dear after that i think you had better have it out with him he comes home to tea at six thirty which used to be half past six in my days he is very tired then though he will never allow it and it would not be fair to attack him i give him a mutton chop or two poached eggs or some other trifle of nourishment and then i make him doze for an hour and a half to soothe his agitated intellect and when he wakes he has just one glass of hot water and sugar with a little loch nagar and then he is equal to anything begammon bequiz or even conversation impatient as i was i saw nothing better and by this time i was becoming used 
to what all of us must put up with the long postponement of our heavy cares to the light convenience of others major hockin might just as well have stopped when he saw how anxious i was uncle sam would have stopped the mill itself with a dozen customers waiting but no doubt he had spoiled me and even that should not make me bitter aunt mary and i understood each other we gazed away over the breadth of the sea and the gleam of its texture and we held our peace few things are more surprising than the calm way in which ripe age looks on at things which ought to amaze it and yet any little one of its own concerns grows more important perhaps than ever as the shadow of future dwindles major hockin had found on the beach a pebble with a streak of agate in it he took it as a harbinger of countless agates and resolved to set up a lapidary with a tent or even a shop perhaps not to pay but to be advertised and catch distinguished visitors Arima, you are a mighty finder you found the biggest nugget yet discovered you know about stones from the rocky mountains or at least the sierra nevada you did not discover this beautiful agate but you saw and greatly admired it we might say that a young lady eminent for great skill in lithology famed as the discoverer etc hold it between your eyes and this candle but wet it in the slop basin first now you see the magnificent veins of blue i see nothing of the kind i said for really it was too bad for him it seems to me a dirty bit of the commonest flint you could pick up this vexed him more than i wished to have done and i could not help being sorry for i went into a little fit of sulks and aunt mary almost frowned at me but he did not stay long in that condition and after his dose and his glass he came forth as lively and meddlesome as ever and the first thing he did was to ask me for the locket open it he cried why of course i can there is never any difficulty about that the finest workmanship in the world is that of the indian jewellers i have been among them often i know all their devices and mechanisms of which the european are bad copies i have only to look round this thing twice and then pronounce my sesame my dear then look around it as fast as you can said his wife with a traitorous smile at me and we won't breathe a cess till it flies asunder mary miss castlewood makes you pert although herself so well conducted however i do not hesitate to say that i will open this case in two minutes of course you will dear mrs hockin replied in provoking quiescence the major never fails Arima in anything he is so sure about and this is a mere child's toy to him well dear have you done it but i need not ask or let us see what is inside it i have not done it yet mrs hockin and if you talk with such rapidity of course you throw me out how can i command my thoughts or even recall my experience hush now hush Arima, and i must hush myself reverently you have no reverence in you and no patience do you expect me to do such a job in a second do you take me for a common jeweller i beg you to remember well my dear i remember only what you told us you were to turn it round twice you know and then cry sesame Arima, was it not so i never said anything of the sort what i said was simply this however to reason with ladies is rude i shall just be off to my study where you keep your tools my darling mrs hockin said softly after him at least i mean when you know where they are i was astonished at aunt mary's power of being so highly provoking and still more at her having the heart to employ it but she knew best what her husband was and to worship him for ever is not wise go and knock at his door in about five minutes mrs hockin said to me with some mischief in her eyes if he continues to fail he may possibly take a shorter way with it and with his tools so close at hand oh i exclaimed his geological hammer that dreadful crusher may i go at once i detest that thing but i cannot have it smashed 
he will not break it up my dear without your leave he would never think of such a thing of course however you may as well go after him it was wrong of mrs hockin to make me do this and i felt quite ashamed of myself when i saw the kind old major sitting by his lamp and wrinkling his forehead into locks and keys of puzzle by using violence to his own mind alone and i was more ashamed when instead of resenting my intrusion he came to meet me and led me to his chair and placed the jewelled trinket in my hand and said my dear i give it up i was wrong in taking it away from you you must consult someone wiser that odious thing i answered being touched by this unusual humility of his you shall not give it up i know no wiser person lapidary tricks are below your knowledge but if you are not tired of me and offended may i leave it to you to get it opened i would like nothing better he replied recovering his natural briskness and importance but you ought to be there my dear you must be there are you sure that you ought not rather take it to your good cousin lord castlewood now think before you answer i need not think twice of that major hockin good and learned as my father's cousin is he has distinctly refused to help me for some mysterious reason of his own in searching into this question indeed my great hope is to do it without him for all that i know he might even wish to thwart me enough my dear it shall be just as you wish i brought you to england and i will stand by you my cousin colonel gandry has committed you to me i have no patience for malefactors i never took this matter up for very many reasons and among them not the least was that samson your beloved uncle sam thought it better not to do so but if you desire it and now that i feel certain that an infamous wrong has been done to you which i heartily beg you to pardon for my doubt of by the lord of all justice everything else may go to the devil till i see it out do you desire it erema i certainly do not wish that any of your great works should be neglected but if without that you can give me your strong help my only difficulty will be to thank you i like plain speaking and you always speak plainly sometimes too plainly he said recollecting little times when he had the worst of it how far do you trust me now major hockin i trust you altogether you may make mistakes as all men do yes 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 about my own affairs but i never do that for other people i pay a bill of two pence if it is my own if i am a trustee of it i pay three halfpence his meaning was a little beyond me now but it seemed better not to tell him so for he loved to explain his own figures of speech even when he had no time to spare for it and he clearly expected me to ask him to begin or at least it seemed so from his eyebrows but that only came home to me afterward please do not speak of my affairs like that i said as if i were quite stupid i mean to pay fourpence for every twopence both to friends and enemies you are a queer girl i've always said so you turn things to your own ideas so however we must put up with that though none of my daughters have ever done it for which i am truly thankful but now there is very little time to lose the meaning of this thing must be cleared up at once and there is another thing to be done as well quite as important in my opinion i will go to london with you to-morrow if you like my clever little cornishman will see to things there the man that sets up all angles but why should i hurry to london so i asked surely any good country jeweller could manage it or let us break it open on no account he answered we might spoil it all besides the great risk to the diamonds which are very brittle things to london we must take it for this reason the closure of this case is no jeweller's work of that i have quite convinced myself it is the work of a first-rate lapidary and the same sort of man must undo it to this i agreed quite readily because of such things i knew nothing whereas my host spoke just as if he had been brought up to both those walks of art 
and then i put the question which had been long burning on my tongue what made you imagine major hockin that this very beautiful face could have been that of the old lady living in ruin in desolate hole i will tell you at once and then call it if you like an imagination of all the features of the human's face there is none more distinctive than the eyebrow distinctive is not exactly what i mean i mean more permanently marked and clear the eyes change the nose changes so does the mouth and even the shape of the forehead sometimes but the eyebrows change very little except in colour this i have noticed because my own may perhaps be a little peculiar and they have always been so at school i received a nickname about it for boys are much sharper than men about such things and that name after fifty years fits as well as ever you may smile if you like i shall not tell you what it was but leave you to reinvent it if you can now look at this first-rate miniature do you see an unusual but not uncommon information of the eyebrows i certainly do though i did not observe it until you drew my attention i only regarded the face as a whole the face as a whole is undoubtedly fine but the eyebrows have a peculiar arch and the least little turn at the lower end as if they designed to rise again the lady of desolate hole has the same but how can you tell how very strange i thought she let nobody see her face you are perfectly right about that erema so far at least as she has vouchsafed to exhibit her countenance to me other people may be more fortunate but when i met her for the second time being curious about her i ventured to offer my services with my inborn chivalry at the place where the tide was running up and threatened to surround her my politeness was not appreciated as too often is the case for she made me a very stiff bow and turned away her face had been covered by the muffler of her cloak as if the sea breeze had been too much for her and she did not raise her eyes but before she turned away i obtained a very good glance at her eyebrows and they were formed like these but her age major hockin her age what is it upon that proverbially delicate point i can tell you but little erema perhaps however i may safely say that she cannot be much under twenty it is not right to provoke me so you call her the old woman and compare her to your letter-box you must have some idea is she seventy certainly not i should say though she cannot accept me to defend her and she will have to show her face to me and what is far worse at my time of life she won't even pay me a halfpenny of rent now let us go back to aunt mary my dear she always insists upon packing overnight End of chapter forty seven recording by ellie july two thousand and nine